Thank you, Pastor Gideon and Catherine, for giving me the honor to speak this morning. I think it's a great privilege to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I think Jesus is so, so good. He's so wonderful. Just, just going back to some of the video clips in Indonesia, yeah, there are areas of Indonesia that still need evangelism and, and help in one way or another. But let, let me also share with you that Indonesia, uh, Malaysia, where I come from, is just above Indonesia. We have Indonesia, Singapore, and Peninsula Malaysia on the north of Singapore, and East Malaysia on the right, that's above the island of Borneo. That's where we have been for the past 40 years. Now, Indonesia has been such a blessing for Malaysia. For the past 40 years, besides the English Bible, I've been using the Indonesian Bible to preach. We use Indonesian worship songs to worship the Lord. And th those tools have been a great tool of evangelism. Thousands across Sarawak has been blessed because of the worship songs from Indonesia as well as their Bible. Their testimonies have had great impact in Malaysia. And many lives have been set free because of what the Lord has been doing in Indonesia. So when you bless Indonesia, you're also blessing Malaysia. And all Glory to Jesus. It goes in full circle. That's what we are here today. Amen. You're right. So God is good. So now I'd like to uh, share, I was asked to share on missions and, and that's very much the, something the Lord has put in, 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 our, in our lives, both of us. And uh, thank you. That's very, very precious. Thank you. So I'd like to bring us back into Good News Fellowship history a little bit. Then we will move forward and see how the Lord leads. Way back in 19, uh, uh, sometime in uh, 1976, the Lord was already doing something in Christchurch, which will eventually impact Malaysia, especially East Malaysia, and it's, it has impacted both of us too. In 1976, there were a group of Asian students from University of Canterbury who were attending New Life Church under Peter Morrow. Wow. Right, beautiful. So what you're seeing there is uh, these uh, six people who've been very significant in the history of our church. You've got Graham Fawcett and Lucy, on the right, by the way, Graham, just, he just came back from Japan. He's in town. So Graham, that's Graham, and there's Vincent Kong and John Yao and David Boyle and the wife there. Uh, these are among people that were impacted by the move of the Holy Spirit in New Life Church at that time. And they caught the vision to come back to Malaysia to plant churches there. So the Lord led them to Kuching, and, uh, and 40 years later, wow. okay, and 40 years later, you'll see this picture. Six of them came to Kuching. They, after graduation, they were not looking for a job here. They went back straight to Malaysia to plant churches. The fire of God that was upon new life at that time was spreading through them like wildfire. And after 40 years, we see this is our 40th anniversary in 2019. About more than 2,000 people in this meeting place. This is not our church premises. We have to look for a bigger place. So there are about 2,000 people 
there uh, who came for the anniversary and there are many more that could not make it from all over Sarawak but the story doesn't end there good news in the past 40 years has raised up many leaders many pastors and many of them from good news have gone to other parts of the world in return some went to Indonesia for the Bible school in Tawamangu, and some went to Tunisia, and some went to Thailand to do children's ministry. And we have another sister, a pastor, who goes to China to do teaching. It all started in Christchurch. Come on, Christchurch, give yourself a clap. It all started here when the Holy Spirit came upon this land. This is a blessed place. New Zealand has been called by God for a bigger purpose. Christchurch has been called for God. How many of you have been called by God for this greater purpose? God's calling is irrevocable. He called Israel. Likewise, he has called New Zealand for a purpose. Seasons come and seasons change, but God's purpose will not change. So that calling remains upon Christchurch and the body of Christ here. You have a higher and greater calling. You are part of a greater nation part of a greater family of God and he has called each and every one of you to participate, to give, to pray and to go. God is awesome. He's a father. He's got a bigger plan for every nation and Israel was God's firstborn but God has many other nations to be birthed in his heart and you are part of that delivery process. Would you stand up with Jesus? Would you Give yourself, give your time, give your resources, give your prayers that the multitudes outside there will worship Jesus. I love that just now when we sang the song, thank you worship thing, I speak Jesus. That has been the goal, the vision, and the purpose of my life since 1983. Jesus transformed my life and it's never been the same again. So we see this picture is made up of many of our branch churches. Some are in the city, some in the town, some in the villages. It's got many languages there. And uh, uh, they are also from different tribes in the, in, among the indigenous people of Sarawak. They love to worship Jesus. They love to, to come and celebrate together. So this is the church after 40 years, but it took six people who are willing to go. Six people who are willing to go because the fire of God came upon their lives at that time. They could have planned their routine life or their mundane life like anyone else. Graduate, look for a job, look for a husband, wife, get a car, get a house. But the fire of Jesus was far greater in their lives that they went to the mission field. And God has done greater things beyond what we can see there. There are thousands of young people in Sarawak that were impacted even through Good News Fellowship and many other churches. We cannot bring all of them together. Many of them went out ministering in hospitals, in, in schools, and we've seen hundreds and hundreds of, of young people worshipping Jesus everywhere because of the move of the Holy Spirit in this land. Others are being impacted. So, church, God has a greater plan for all of us. And we look at the, the, the next picture. This is... The group where uh, Gina and me, my wife and me, have been ministering for the past 22 years. They've they's made up about four to five ethnic groups, but the main common language is Malay. And we're using Indonesian Bible and worship songs in this congregation. And 
the man in the middle in white, that's, his name is Leslie, he's our successor. So when I step out, he's stepping up. He's taking over the church. He's been our worship leader. He's been, uh, he's been preaching. He's anointed. And God has blessed us with many spiritual children. Now, while Christ Church has been our spiritual home in many sense, recently, my wife and me have been feeling closer to Christ Church. The reason is that the Lord has been putting things into our lives through prophecies and different ways. And God actually brought both our girls ahead of us to Christ through miraculous uh, 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 ways and also scholarships. And that will be our family picture next. So this is our family today in 2022. On, on my left is, uh, uh, on the left is Michael, my eldest son-in-law, my eldest daughter, Phoebe, and uh, my beautiful wife. She's always beautiful and young. And on my left is, uh, in the photo, is Naomi, who's going to get married this Friday with Bradley. Okay, and uh, they're all wonderful guys. And uh, we did not lose, we are not losing two daughters. We are gaining two sons. And they love hanging around with our family. Bradley's parents, we will not see them very often because they are also missionaries to Malawi in Africa. So we are so blessed to be connected with Bradley's family. And he comes from... He's a son of missionaries, and it's beautiful the, how the Lord has brought our girls with these guys. That's another testimony by itself. God has got everything in his hands. Let us be walking in his ways, and he will bring all things to completion. He who has begun a good work in our lives, he will bring everything to completion. He never forgets, and he's never short of ideas. No matter what the circumstances was, and is, God is still in control, and he will fulfill all things in our life. So I'd like to go back. When you saw the photos, thank you for the photos. When you saw the photo of over 2,000 people there, in 1983, I, I was sent to East Malaysia to be trained to become a school teacher. But one of the guys in Good News Fellowship, he and his girlfriend then gave me a Bible to read. That was in 1983, and I, was, uh, I started reading the Bible because for many years, there was a hunger within me to know who God is. Where, since I was a kid, I was made to aware about heaven and hell. And I have always this picture, there is this big throne, uh, the, the, this big God sitting up there, and he's, talk, he's going to send me to hell because I've heard lots about hell and other things more than heaven. And... Uh, so there was this strong feeling on me that I must find out who God really is. And I was raised up in a Hindu family and been to Buddhist temple. So over the years, I started reading about different religion. And uh, when I go and worship other gods, I, go to, I used to go and ask for forgiveness of sin. Nothing happened, no change. But when I was given this Bible as, as a birthday gift, this couple gave me a birthday gift. It's a Bible, actually. And I started reading the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. When I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the passages in the Bible began to leap into my spirit. The Bible became so alive. It was so real. It was not a history book. And it was just speaking to me so clearly. I could see 
Jesus in my spirit, casting out demons, healing the sick, walking in water, doing the miracles. And this is the Son of God. God began to open my eyes, but I was not willing to compromise yet because I was thinking, no, I have my own religion and we've got many gods outside there that we worship. And as a family, we've been worshiping many gods. I was not willing to let go thereof. My mind was still telling me those things. But my heart was, was beginning to feel something alive, something real about this Jesus. So while I was doing that, my friends were trying to witness to me and some of them were from Good News Fellowship, the church that was planted by New Life. And they were telling me that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. They were telling me that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They were very loving and very good people. You know, but I was not willing to give in because I couldn't forsake what we have inherited for generations in the past. So while those things happened, I still kept reading the, uh, reading the New Testament. I finished the four Gospels. I was reading the book of Acts and onwards. Then, now, after the book of Acts, I did not understand a lot of things. <laughs> but when it came to Revelation, suddenly the passages began to leap at me again. And I felt the fear of God dawning on me. And I, I felt that hey, i got to make a decision, but I need to find out. I need to, uh, you know, if, if there's a way to confirm that this Jesus is really, truly the Son of God. And he's the only way to heaven, only way for the forgiveness of sin. So a few months uh, before the end of uh, 1983, I, I was praying to this God that I do not know, that the God that is up there. And I was saying, God, if this is true as what they say and what they talk about Jesus, I must pray for two impossible things to happen. And uh, I must become a believer in my own hometown. I was still in East Malaysia. I'm from West Malaysia. I was born in a small town called Taiping. So I must come to become, I must become a believer in my own hometown in Taiping. I must be water baptized before coming. By bystanders, that's a tall order because I come from a family of Hindus, 10 of them, and it's a very uh, dominating family. And my brothers are very, uh, my father passed away when I was four, so my brothers are very much in control. And you being number 10 out of 10, it does not help much because everybody is above you. You got everyone else to tell you what to do, where to go, when to sit, and when to move. So that is a tall order. It's impossible for me. So those few months, I got busy with assignment and exams and forgot about this open prayer that I made to the open heaven. And I went back home, and I began to feel the emptiness again. Before, before I left coaching, these friends brought me to Good News Fellowship, nice people. I sensed something was different there. There was something good. Now I know it's the presence of God. And I knew there was something different. But when I went back to Taiping, West Malaysia, I felt the emptiness again. I felt that I was lost again. So I... I, didn't, I wasn't going to any church or anything. I was just at home. And then one day, I discovered a leaflet on my brother's table. I pull it out, and it says that Jesus saves, Jesus heals. God never gave up on me. Wow. There was an evangelistic meeting at the town hall. So on the 18th of December, the meeting was at 8, but... Before half past seven, I was among the early ones there. Something in me told, was telling me, I need to go there. I need to, need to go and hear what they have to say. So I was there about 7.30. And it was an event. Now I know it's called an evangelistic meeting. Then I do not know. So I was there. And uh, 
there was an altar call given towards the end. And uh, as usual, I was preparing to go back. But as I was sitting there, God never gave up on me. And this time it manifests in a different way. While I was sitting and others going for an altar call for the sinner's prayer, I felt a very strong pain. Just just suddenly there was a long, there was a strong pain. Uh, to me, today it speaks like God was wrestling with me. I wanted to go back, but he was not letting me go that day. And when I was feeling that pain, I stood up. And the pain left. And the moment I stood up, I sensed there was a change in the atmosphere above my head. And I felt I needed to go to the front. So I went to the front. With all my heart and soul, I need to verify this God. So I, I just said the sinner's prayer with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, saying that Jesus come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. I confess all my sins to you. You are my God. And I said those things with all my soul. And then as I went back, for the first time in my life, I felt all my guilt of all my wrongdoings, right from the little things to the bigger things, all were just gone. That night, I was free from guilt. And on top of that, I felt a peace that I never felt before. And now I know it's the peace that passes all understanding. And I felt the love of the Father. Now, I told you just now, my father passed away when I was four. So that night, I felt the Father's love for the first time. It was so, so beautiful, not tainted with any corrupted love from the world. It's a pure love of heaven. I felt the love of God so compelling, so real, and accompanied by that peace. And my feet was not on the ground. Heaven came down that night. I could feel that, you know, heaven was so close. And I was sure and sure and sure that day if I breathed my last, I'm going to heaven. I was clean for the first time. And I knew that I was a new creation. I understood what Jesus says, unless you're born again. That night, 18 December, 8.30 p.m., I was born again. And I knew I have a clean start, a new beginning. And that was the beginning of my journey. So I went back to, to Sarawak, that's East Malaysia again. And years later, there were a lot of beautiful things that happened, including meeting my beautiful wife. But as I went back, Graham Fawcett, Max Palmer, and a few others. I forgot to mention, actually, Max was on the right side of the photo, and Graham was on, on the left side of the photo. Yeah, and John Yao was in the center. They were all present for our 40th anniversary. It's a beautiful moment. So when we came back to Kuching, they often flew down from Christchurch, conducting seminars, leadership programs, and teaching us various stuff, gift of the Holy Spirit, and uh, they, they mobilized us to, to do more work uh, for the kingdom. And uh, many of us went out to different parts of Sarawak, to, to, to the villages, to the town, to do evangelism, and to reach out to young people. While we were doing all those things, I finished my training as a teacher. I was posted to a secondary school off Bintulu. That's about one hour. Bintulu is an oil, uh, it's not an oil and gas town, but basically gas, liquefied natural gas in the middle of Sarawak for the north. And uh, so it's one hour down. I, I need to take a bus and then take a boat you know, to arrive in that school. So the first day when I arrived there, I was holding my brown bag. I still remember that. I was stepping out of the boat. I was stepping into water. Not that I was experiencing miracle. What a welcome. The school was flooded on that day. <laughs> and this is this 
this, this guy from West Malaysia who's used to all these tall buildings and uh, better roads, and now I was walking out of the boat on the river into water again and not knowing anyone in that place. But God had prepared a big harvest field in that school. We have hundreds and hundreds of students coming for the Christian fellowship eventually. And, and many of them gave their life to Jesus. And in, in a few years later, we were actually baptizing people. And people were calling me pastor when I was a school teacher. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the Muslim teachers in the school used to refer me as an imam. Which they're, they're saying, like, you are the priest in this school. Yeah, and uh, my, my principal, uh, he's a Muslim, but he's a joker, you know, and sometimes he talks jokes that are censored. So when, when he sees me coming to the room, he will cover his mouth and he will apologize. <laughs> God was working in very funny ways. And uh, <clears throat> there was a time while we were in school, uh, it was a, a full-fledged hostel school. So there are dormitories for boys and girls. And... Um, <clears throat> There are a few hundred students staying in, in the girls' hostel, and uh, there are some rooms attached to the hotel, the hostel, and we have uh, a cook and a lab attendant. The lab attendant was in her 40s, and the cook was in the 20s, living in one of those rooms. And uh, they are nominal Christians. They don't go to church, they, but they say they are Christians. So anyway... One day, a Muslim teacher approached me in the staff room, and he was telling me this. You know, those two ladies staying at the room at the dormitory, they said that their room door was closed, and it can open by itself at night. That was the first night it opened. Then at the second night, it opened again. On the third night, they make sure the door is locked, and the door opened, and they saw these two eerie figures standing in front, and they described how eerie it was, and one was tall and one was short. Therefore, they were asking this Muslim teacher to go and look for a witch doctor in the village. Now, witch doctor, uh, witchcraft is very prominent in that part of Sarawak. So, so they were looking for a witch doctor, but God used donkeys to speak, so much so that God told them, uh, through this Muslim man, you are supposed to be Christians. Why are you looking for a witch doctor? And he came looking for me, and uh, here am I. I was about two years as a Christian, and uh, haven't done any deliverance or anything like that that, that far. And uh, inside me, honestly, I was trembling. Now, will it work? Will it not work? Will it work? Will it not work? But one thing I knew, that... Uh, I got my colleague, and we brought a few girls because the girls' hostel, the boys are not allowed to go. So we brought our, our the Christian Fellowship Committee members. We went, and what did we, we were not Ghostbusters. All we did was worship Jesus in the room. So we worshiped Jesus, invited his presence there, asking to cleanse the room with his precious blood. There's power, there's mighty power in the blood of Jesus. And what happened was next morning, you know, I was still a bit shaky inside whether I should go and see those ladies or not. But uh, I didn't do that until I heard from another colleague that those ladies spoke to him and told them that last night after that group finished the prayer, suddenly we felt that room was a new room. And I was there for nine years, never 
again did the door open at night. All glory to Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Jesus says, when you go, signs and wonders and miracles will follow you. As you go to Indonesia or many parts of the world, as you take that step of faith, the power and the glory of God will come in those places. And what happened was that among these students, they begin to spread the gospel more. More people came for fellowship. And some of these teenagers went back to the villages. They prayed for their family members who were sick, and the sick were healed. And out of that, today, my wife and me see that many of them are in full-time ministry. Some are pastors, some are worship leaders, and some are doing different things. It all began with some seeds that were sown in coaching by a church from Christ Church. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God came down here. It has impacted thousands of lives over there. And out of there, it went to Tunisia, Thailand, and many other places. God has arranged greater things for this church, and he's got greater plans. So God wants to do mightier things in our life. So as I finish this morning, I'd like to quickly go through some scriptures. My time flies. I thought Pastor Gideon gave me two hours. Yeah. All right. And uh, we'd like to look at uh, a few scriptures here. In Luke chapter 2, Simon, he was in the temple. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the other nations. The Gentiles are the other people group. They are the, the different, uh, speak, uh, uh, different ethnic groups all over the world. And God is right at the beginning of the birth of Jesus talking about a light for the Gentiles. To the nations. In, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus opened their mind. Here are the disciples. They've been coming in and out with Jesus, but they haven't caught the vision. So Jesus told them that he must suffer and die. And on the third day, he'll rise again. And this gospel, repentance and forgiveness, will be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when, when the disciples were till, still thinking about restoration of Israel, Jesus is telling them something different. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They were waiting for a restoration. Maybe you feel that your life needs to be restored fully, but Jesus is not waiting for that. The full restoration will only be completed when His kingdom comes. We are on a journey. The work is finished on the cross. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But on this earth, we have to walk out that life, believing that the things of the kingdom are present now. While it is ahead, but it's also now. The things of the kingdom are present. And Jesus is not waiting until we feel fully restored. Family feels fully restored. Finance feels fully restored. Now is the time to go. Jesus says, now is the time. Peter says, today is the day of salvation. The calling is the same. And God has said it in such a way. In Acts chapter 2, when the 
power of the Holy Spirit was poured, there were many Jews and also Gentiles who were converted to Judaism from other languages. And they saw the disciples from Galilee. Galilee are not known to be eloquent in other languages. But yet they saw this man speaking in other languages. And they were saying, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is telling me. What does this mean? I know in context there is an explanation for that. But it means that right from the day one, the Holy Spirit come down, the nations are in God's heart. Other languages are in God's heart. Therefore, the disciples begin to speak on other, in other languages right from the first day. And they were ready and they were preaching and the gospel began to go throughout the Roman Empire. It goes to Ethiopia. It goes to southern India. It goes to many parts of Europe. And we have inherited something that Jesus has placed in our hands too. In Acts 18.9, Jesus appears to Paul at night and said, do not be afraid. Paul went through many hardships. He says, go on speaking. Means keep on speaking. Speak, go on speaking about Jesus. In Matthew 28, he says, go. Mark chapter 16, he says, go. To Paul, after Damascus, Jesus appears again. He says, go. And uh, therefore, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we have a cloud of witnesses. What are they doing? These clouds of witnesses are saying, go, go, go. They are telling us, go. They are cheering, church, rise up, church, go. Because the nations are waiting. The people are coming. We need to bring this gospel. And the cloud of witnesses, uh, they want us to run this race. Like Paul says that he has run the race. We are to run the race, bringing this good news of Jesus to all the nations that are waiting there. Shall we arise this morning? Would you stand with me? And a sign of your response to the gospel, to the calling of Jesus, to go to the nations. Will you lift up your hands? Say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Can we lift our hands and say, I'm willing, Lord. Yeah, say it louder. We have a cloud of witnesses in the heavens. I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go for you because of your love for the nations. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit, His presence, His passion, His purpose is upon us that others may come into this presence too and this passion and purpose too. Jesus has called us. He's calling today because today is the day Today is the day to respond. Today is the day to respond to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And while we are still in the presence of God this morning, if there's anyone here, you haven't given your life to Jesus, or if there's anyone online, you would like to welcome Jesus into your life, just open up your heart. He came into my life. And I've been blessed abundantly. I was never lacking. He's a good, good father in heaven. He's so good. And he's faithful. 